The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. And the Book of Mormon is replete with examples of disciples and prophets who knew and understood and were transformed by the enabling power of the atonement. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 57 of the Book Mormon Podcast. Kevin and Shelby here. Yeah, we're here. And we just wanted to say hey to any new listeners that might be listening. And this is their second time hearing us out. Yeah. Thanks for somehow finding this podcast and and listening to us. Share it with your friends and family. Like, do whatever you want with it. (laughs) And... We often get feedback on just uh, from from a few key people uh, via or via Facebook Messenger, and I always appreciate those, and I I always try to share them with Shelb when I get them, and so and then vice versa, like when you receive feedback about the podcast, Shelby, from one of your close acquaintances then you, I'm always like super stoked to hear about it. Yeah. So we're happy that you're joining us on episode 57. Yep. It's a lot, a lot of episodes. Yeah. Moving along through Jacob. We sure are. So without further ado, um, just in case uh, we need a little refresher, from last week's episode, Jacob, the brother of Nephi, uh, has been called to the the office or the, I guess, the responsibility of being the, the Lord's mouthpiece among the Nephites. And some things have been troubling him. And he, he feels this responsibility to speak to his people. And so this is, this is beginning his actual address to the people of Nephi. Mm-hmm. So, so where, where do we begin? Do you want to begin with the header, the heading? Yeah. So Jacob denounces the love of riches, pride, and unchastity. Men should seek riches to help their fellow men. Jacob condemns the unauthorized practice of plural marriage. The Lord delights in the chastity of women. So I was about to say before we read that, but it's okay to read it, say it after, because there's some there's some big things in here. Like he's talking about pride, riches, and chastity, and uh, chastity of women too, and, and men as well. So there's some uh, heavy topics in here, and I hope that we can have the spirit with us to to share our thoughts on them and and have the spirit guide 
because it's a lot of stuff that Jacob had to speak about. And I mean, we know from before that the only reason he's speaking is because he needs to uh, share. These are hard things that he needs to tell the people because they're not listening and they're and they're starting to uh, dip their foot per se in the pond of sin, and they need to stop. You know. Yeah. And so it's hard for Jacob to talk about, and these are sensitive topics even today to talk about. So, so long-time listeners of this podcast, at least within like the last six months, are pretty familiar with the words of Isaiah. And Jacob was also very familiar with the, the words of Isaiah. And the reason that I bring that up is that it you can see that when the people, even the chosen people of the Lord, become forgetful of the Lord their God and begin to be puffed up in their pride and begin, you know, lusting after the the vain things of the world, their destruction comes quickly, mm-hmm. right? We talked about that last week. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that in of itself is one of the reasons why Jacob is so concerned because he's like, man, th- this happened to where we just came from, right? Our, right? our father Lehi, he left Jerusalem because the things that are happening right now were happening there. So we got to like nip this in the bud. The, this people has to repent. So we we talked already about him magnifying his office last week. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in verse two. Verse three, he says that he's weighed down with much more desire and anxiety for the welfare of your souls than I have hitherto been. And in verse five, I like at the end of it, he says, um, I can tell you concerning your thoughts how you're beginning to labor in sin, which sin appears very abominable unto me, yea, and abominable unto God. And he talks about how much it grieves him to talk about these things um, because there are many that they're like, as he puts it, I don't know how else to say it in like modern language, but feelings are exceedingly tender and chaste and delicate. And I know I'm jumping through a lot of verses right here. But I don't know. It's just important to set up how Jacob's feeling. So when, because that does play into how he uh, speaks, right? And teaches the people. And I think it's important to know that anytime that the brethren speak to us in general conference, I'm I'm sure that they also feel great anxiety for the welfare of our souls. Yeah. And want to show their love to us. And, And I know that's all Jacob wants to do here too. So, but Kev, you mentioned earlier, uh, labor in sin. Like, have you ever labored in sin? And I don't know if you want to go there right now. Yeah. But we're, you look like you had something else. Yeah. We're, we're moving a little bit too quickly for my liking through this chapter. I think we need to slow it down. We're, we need to drop it into second gear. <laughs> okay. Okay. So first... I want to talk about what what you were just mentioning, which is like 
when the, the, the brethren in modern day address the people of the church, mm-hmm. um, they have, they understand the responsibility laid upon them. Yeah. Rather than inserting a clip here, I want to just read from one of my favorite conference talks of all time. And it's actually one that I read and listen to before every single general conference, just to get me primed, to get me like in tune with uh, the, the, the magnitude, I guess, of general conference. It's from a talk titled The Voice of the Lord by Elder Neil L. Neil A. Anderson. Excuse me. I'm pretty it's not Neil L. Neil L. Anderson. Yeah, I got, it's like it's Neil Yeah, L. sorry. I got tripped up on the A in Anderson. <clears throat> and it's from October of 2017. He says, For the first presidency and the 12 who normally speak each conference, the enormous responsibility of preparing their messages is both a reoccurring burden and a sacred trust. He says, years ago, before serving as a general authority, I asked Elder Dallin H. Oaks if he prepared a separate talk for each state conference. He responded that he did not, but added, quote, but my general conference talks are different. I may go through 12 to 15 drafts to be sure that I say what the Lord would have me say, end quote. Hmm. And he says, um, With no topics assigned, we see heaven beautifully coordinating the subjects and themes of eternal truth each and every conference. One of my brethren told me that his subject for this conference was given to him immediately after his talk last April, or the previous conference. Another mentioned three weeks ago that he was still praying and waiting upon the Lord. Another, when asked how long it had taken to compose an especially sensitive talk, responded, 25 years. Okay, so I don't know how long Jacob was concerned about these things. It could have been immediate. He could have received that revelation and the inspiration for these thoughts very quickly when he detected the sin among the people. But this could also be something that's kind of been developing over time that now He's finally, you know, just like you said, he's saying that he's weighed down with much more desire and anxiety for the welfare of his people's souls. And he says, then I have hitherto been. So sure, they've been making mistakes. We're all imperfect. But at this point, a critical junction in the church at this time has caused the prophet to make a course correction because he sees if we keep going in this trajectory, uh, trajectory, then a lot of people are going to be lost from the fold of God. Yeah. It's very reminiscent of what's going on right now and what has happened recently with President Nelson, you know, making some necessary adjustments 
and uh, uh, correcting our course in some things as well. Yeah, I really appreciate your insights. Thank you. So if I may, I'll answer or kind of like lead into that, that question that I guess it's a question that I asked you <laughs> yeah. this morning when we were like On listening. Yeah, we were taking a little walk listening to this Jacob. Chapter. Yeah. And when we got to verse five, it says I'll, how that oh go ahead. I'll just read it for you. Sure. It says, but behold, hearken ye unto me and know that by the help of all of the all powerful creator of heaven and earth, I can tell you concerning your thoughts, how ye are beginning to labor in sin which sin appeareth very abominable unto me, yea, and abominable unto God. So I paused it at that point, and I asked Shelby, have you ever felt like you were laboring in sin? And I, I elaborated and said um, how sometimes we have to work harder to do the things we shouldn't be doing than if we just gave in to the Lord and just did his will and obeyed him. It's kind of like when um, I wouldn't know anything about this, but mm -hmm. Shelby, you are uh, a somewhat of an expert on this. But when you're trying to sneak around behind your parents' backs, doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Right. It takes so much more effort, mental and strategic effort to avoid doing things or avoid getting caught doing things than it would be to just chill out and obey your mother and your father, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... That sounds like what the Nephi. Let me Jacob. just say something. When he asked me that question today, before he elaborated, I said, oh, yeah, I yeah. labored in sin. And that's one example of not obeying my parents. Uh, I was not the best teenager. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I get I get exactly what you're saying there. You know, mm -hmm. like it would my life would have been so much easier if I had just not done half of what I did, but it did take more effort, more labor to, to sin rather than not to sin. <laughs> so, yeah, but I think there's things that we do that we do that in our life. Like it, it doesn't necessarily have to be just when you were a teenager. I mean, that's just my example we're relating right now, but there's things in our lives that we know we probably should just stop because it's taking more work the other way right so, and that's a good question to ask yourself or ask in a prayer to Heavenly father like what what am i laboring in sin that it that i shouldn't be you know and see what he says or ask close family members yeah what they and, see and I, I think we could also reference to um it'll take me just a second to jump there to get the exact Talk. Reference. And yeah, it's from 
uh, this October past 2020. Yeah, it's from this past conference, October 2020, um, by Michelle D. Craig, and it's her talk, Eyes to See. And she talks about, um, I, I won't be able to get the what exact, is it? It, it's when she, she realizes or starts to ask, what are things that I am doing that I should stop? Oh. Here we go. Oh, I found it probably at the exact same time as you found it. She says, as I pray for the Lord to open my eyes to see things I may not normally see, I often ask myself two questions and pay attention to the impressions that come. What am I doing that I should stop doing? And what am I not doing that I should start doing? And so the the reason that I wanted to bring that reference in there, uh, not only is it because it's from very recent revelation to, to the church, but that's kind of where we can take that, uh, maybe put it in a little bit less archaic of speech and say, am I laboring in sin? Am I, what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? And then what should I start doing that I've been putting off where, you know, if I just like, again, like I said, if I just gave a little bit more to the Lord in this regard, whatever it is, wouldn't my life be easier, simpler than if I kept holding back? Hmm. Well, I think we've really related the scriptures <laughs> to ourselves, mm -hmm. but I think we should maybe talk a little bit about what Jacob says. Yeah. Yeah. We can dive in there. Oh, yes. So, Jacob, verse 7. Let's go there. <laughs> I already kind of went there, but we're going there again. <laughs> um, he says that he uses boldness of speech, which is interesting, uh, because he then comments on his wife's or his wife's, I'm sorry, no. He comments on the wives there and the children because a lot of their feelings are tender, chaste, and delicate before God. And that's pleasing to God, but he has to use boldness of speech concerning them. So I'm. do you have any insights on that, Kev? Or any thoughts? Well, I think Jacob kind of expounds upon it a little bit in verse 8. He says, and it supposeth me that they being the wives and the children have come up hither to hear the pleasing word of God. Yea, the word which healeth the wounded soul. I, I in my notes, I just put pleasing word of God versus hard words or how Jacob says it. He says boldness of speech. And yeah, it's kind of like when, when you attend a sacrament meeting um, or you listen to a conference talk or a devotional and you're just, you're just satisfied. You've been filled with mm -hmm. the, by, by the word of God, by the spirit of the Lord, which tells you, Hey, I know that some things are tough right now, but it's going to be okay. These are the things that we can do to get better. And you know, the, the really, the important things 
right? Yeah. Versus when you know a priesthood leader has to reprimand you for you know not doing the things you're supposed to be doing, which I think is far more uncommon. Um, we don't generally get this boldness of speech. Uh, Can I interrupt you? Yes. So I think we get the boldness. Okay. I think even though at times I'm relating this to our lives, by the way, so it's not necessarily having to do with the scriptures and the context he's putting it in. But I do think that if you are guilty of something, of a sin, um, like say, for example, you have a problem with the law of chastity and you're sitting in a sacrament meeting and someone has to give a talk on the law of chastity. I think that their speech can be considered bold to you. Mm. Now, to someone who's obeying the law of chastity, I don't necessarily know if it would be like bold. I think it, it would be like, why do I need to hear this? You know, because I'm, I'm following it. Right. Not why do I need to hear this, but it's just another talk <clears throat> that's yeah. not necessarily piercing their soul. Does Correct. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I'm not saying that's what's happening here, but I just wanted to throw that in there that I feel like that could be the boldness we might feel if we are guilty of something. Oh, for sure. Because the, another thing that I referenced was the wicked take the truth to be hard. First Nephi 16 too. Right. A little yeah. throwback. Yeah. So, but because of the, I don't even know if I want to use the words explicit or graphic because I don't think I don't th- I I don't think either really relate to what Jacob's saying, because those are pretty strong words. But just the content of his words, his address here, um, to the younger, to the children, and to the wives of let's be straight up the men whom Jacob is reprimanding, yeah. they're kind of like. You know, these things are pretty well, he's, harsh. He's not just, I want to say, he's not just referencing the men. I, he's also referencing yeah. the women that are partaking a part yes. of this. Yes, yes. I just, I just, uh, <laughs> there are, yes, there are some women as well, as we'll read uh, going forward, that, that maybe, no, not maybe, but they're definitely not doing what they should be doing. <laughs> but it is all, it is the men who have kind of uh, maybe like taken opportunity or something. I don't know. Well, we got to get to it before we get to it. So did that, did you have anything else that you wanted to say about that? No, I just, well, yeah, I don't know. I said no. I did just want to say that Jacob, the way that he writes in this um, chapter is so like it paints an image And I really like that he talks about, he says, to enlarge the wounds of those who are already wounded instead of consoling and healing their wounds to those and those who have not been wounded instead of feasting upon the pleasing word of God have daggers placed to pierce their souls and wound their delicate minds. It's just like very, um, it just uh, once again shows Jacob's, I think, character in writing and like that he really is a person here uh, writing this. And where we have it today. So it just is another little small testimony builder of the Book of Mormon, seeing how he writes in his imagery. 
which we see Isaiah has a lot of imageries too, right? right. So it makes sense that uh, Jacob may have taken that on in himself. We didn't necessarily see it a ton in Nephi, only when he was like doing his woe, um, you know, a wretched man I am, like that whole thing in uh, Nephi, but- His psalm. Yeah, his psalm, but Jacob, I think he uses it just when he's uh, preaching. Yeah. Okay, so I remembered, from the Book of Mormon student manual, I wanted to read something. Okay. Uh, it's just a little bit lengthy, but I think it sums up like what we were trying to explain with the boldness of speech thing. Okay. Okay. Back to Elder Dallin H. Oaks of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles then taught that when priesthood leaders feel con- constrained by the Spirit to give admonitions and warnings, members of the church have a responsibility to act upon the correction and instruction given to them. He says, quote, last week I was talking with a member of the Quorum of the Twelve about comments we had received on our April conference talks. My friend said someone told him, I surely enjoyed your talk. We agreed that this is not the kind of comment we like to receive. As my friend said, I didn't give that talk to be enjoyed. What does he think I am? Some kind of entertainer? Another member of our quorum joined the conversation by saying, that reminds me of a story uh, of a good minister. When a parishioner said, I surely enjoyed your sermon today, the minister replied, in that case, you didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, he then talks about how his recent conference address in April, in which he's referring to, he spoke on pornography. Mm. He says, no one told me they enjoyed that talk. In fact, there was nothing enjoyable in it, even for me. I speak of these recent conversations to teach the principle that a message given by a general authority at general conference or by Jacob in the temple to his people, a message prepared under the influence of the spirit to further the work of the Lord is not given to be enjoyed. It is be, it is given to inspire, to edify, to challenge, or to correct. So uh, I think that's, we can kind of take something from that. And I mean, we know that now President Oaks is probably one of the most straightforward, like no nonsense speakers mm-hmm. in the church. Mm-hmm. He just tells it exactly like it is. And uh, I think he's the great epitome of, you know, using that boldness of speech to drive home the the spirit's intentions. So, yeah. Well, I think that summed it up perfect. Um, well, what are these people doing? <laughs> We've talked so much about the preparation of it and the boldness of it. And things like that, but what what's going on? And we've already hinted at it, obviously. And if you've read the chapter, you know what's coming. Um, but I think it really starts in verse twelve. What do you say? Where you yeah. start saying what they've been doing? Yeah. Do you have something? You sound like you have something else to say. Um, I feel uh, somewhat compelled to. Just in verse 10, 
just for posterity's sake. Okay. Okay. In verse 10, Jacob says, I must do according to the strict commands of God and tell you concerning your wickedness and abominations. You know, what Jacob is uh, demonstrating here is what we call moral courage. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is it's having the courage to, to act on your beliefs, right? He, he could have, if you were not uh, under this strict responsibility from God, to just kind of let things run its course, let people learn their lesson the hard way. Like we can relate that to people in our families. Maybe we don't feel like they're doing exactly what they should be, but well, man, it's not my place. Let them just figure it out. You know, the Lord will sort it all out. Uh, apparently not. Apparently we have more responsibility than we think uh, in our sphere of influence, right? Our families, our very close friends, um, the stranger down the road, maybe not so much. You just invite the stranger to come to church, but to your close family, I think that's according to the strict commands of God that Jacob is talking about. So unless you have anything else to add, that is the last thing I'm going to talk about with regard to Jacob's mantle of authority as a prophet. I do want to say one thing. Um, it is not up to you though, to go in and tell your family members what they should be doing with some type of lofty high authority. Right. Um, it is to be done by the spirit as directed and you are to treat them with love. It is not to uh, put them down in any way or say anything that would hurt them further. You, if you're helping somebody, your only purpose is to leave them a different person than when you first found them. So don't go there and be like you because boldness of speech, you know, that I listen right. to this podcast. That's not what we're saying. Like if yeah. you have a, a, a calling where you're given authority to act in that authority, that's different. Okay. That's what Jacob's doing here. But when you're, it is only when you're compelled to do so by the spirit to your family members and it's it's to be done with love, not not any other way. So I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, I really appreciate you brought that up because that that's true. As we continue reading Jacob, uh, it's obvious that Jacob loved these mm -hmm. people. He, and and I just want to say that like if it's for posterity, I mean, our, our, I think our posterity is going to have more moral dilemmas than we have right now. Right. And so it is important to stand by what you believe and to declare it boldly. But that does still mean that you respect other people's beliefs and you don't think you're superior to them because you're not. God loves them all. So it's just important to remember that, yes, you do say what you believe and you don't back down from it. Don't let anybody back you down from that. You know the truth. Stand for it and then preach it. And then if people have further questions, they come to you. You know, don't get bullied down into a corner. I think that's yeah, what that means by sure. using boldness. So anyway, that's all. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get through this chapter today. We're, we're, we're working on it. <laughs> so verse 12, we start to hear about what they're doing. They're doing that has caused Jacob to be so concerned. 
he says, And now behold, my brethren, this is the word which I declare unto you, that many of you have begun to search for gold, and for silver, and for all manner of precious ores, in the, in which, in the which this land, which is a land of promise unto you and to your seed, doth abound most plentifully. So in plain terms, he says, we're living in a really great land that has all this stuff, and all you all are doing is just searching for that. And, and yeah, I think they're definitely searching. They're obtaining these precious things. These, But um, I don't think it's bad to seek for them. It's the intent, the intent of their hearts, which we get to uh, in the next couple of verses. Oh, well, 13 says it, yeah. Yeah, and 13, and the hand of providence hath smiled upon you most pleasingly meaning that they searched for they these found. things and they found them that you have obtained many riches. And because some of you have obtained more abundantly than that of your brethren, you're lifted up in the pride of your hearts and wear stiff necks and high heads because of the costliness of your apparel and persecute your brethren because you suppose that ye are better than they. Mm. So they've been blessed and now they have, uh, they assume. Or, they must be better. Right. Because they're blessed. Right. Oh, like I got this over these other people. So I must be more important. Hmm. Um, I, right. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just say I love what he says in 14. Go for it. Like the next thing says, and now my brethren, do you suppose that God justifieth you in this thing? <laughs> Behold, I say unto you, nay. But he condemneth you. And if you persist in these things, his judgments must speedily come unto you. Huh. And I just love it because he's like, do you think God's going to support you in what you're doing? No, he's not. And he actually condemns it. <laughs> right? Like Jacob's not joking here. He's like delivering a message God wants him to deliver. So. I... um I wanted to share, or I referenced this, and I kind of looked for it. And Shelby, I actually wanted to see if you would be willing to read this. Yeah. It's, it. it's from, it's a pretty well-known quote from Brigham Young. Okay. President Brigham Young said, The worst fear that I have about members of the church is that they will get rich in this country, forget God and his people, wax fat and kick themselves out of the church and go to hell. This people will stand mobbing, robbing poverty and all manner of persecution and be true. But my greater fear for them is that they cannot stand wealth and yet they have to be tried with riches. I've never heard this. It's something I believe it's referenced in the beware of pride talk. At least I think it is that wow. we, we talked about. So you know, this was a pioneer prophet who he looked around and he saw that, yeah, like these, this people, the Lord's chosen people are going to be very well off. And I'm concerned that they can't handle the blessings that are going to be poured out upon them because they're going to immediately think, oh, we're so blessed. Mm. 
and these people who are not are beneath us right so it's that pride it's that pride cycle yeah that that happens i th- unfortunately to all of the lord's chosen people throughout all time is that they they don't acknowledge the hand of the lord in all things right it's true and the intent behind your heart is what matters yeah because um it says somewhere i do not know what verse but it does say somewhere that basically you need to like the the purpose of having gifts and giving and having riches is to give to others like it's not right. to sustain yourself it's to help other people yeah and i don't necessarily know where he says that but well maybe he's, it's like a in, overwhelming in thing. verse 17 he says oh. Think of your brethren like unto yourselves and be familiar with all and free with your substance that they may be be rich like Mm. unto you. Thank you. Um, Furthermore, from the Book of Mormon student manual, it says Jacob taught that God does not condemn the wealthy for their riches. Instead, any condemnation comes from their pride or misuse of their abundance. Some of the people of Nephi chose riches rather than God as the center of their lives, their search for wealth led them to persecute their brethren rather than assist them. Mm. And then going back to verse 18 to just tie that up, it says, but before you seek for riches, seek ye for the kingdom of God. Mm. And then 19, and after you have tamed, obtained a hope in Christ, ye shall obtain riches if ye seek them. And you will seek them. That's what I was looking for, sorry. For the intent to do good, to clothe the naked, and to feed the hungry, and to liberate the captive, and administer relief to the sick and the afflicted. I was actually talking to my mom about this last night. I was like, look, the minute that you start seeking for yourself, it's just not good. It's never good. I said, but when you seek for others, and I said, I'm not going to lie to you. You know why I want a really big house one day? Because I want everyone who comes into that house to feel like it's their home. And I want to be able to have everybody there filled with spirit and cook big dinners for big mm-hmm. gr- for big groups of people, have big game nights. Like, that is what I want. It's not because I want a huge house. Because I know it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter the size of your house. I just know that I want just a big enough entertaining space, right? For our future kids and, and their friends. <laughs> and our friends, Kip. Right. <laughs> Whoever we'll make and meet in the future. So, you know, and, and it's, it's like, that's just one example. But the minute you're like, I want a big house just because I want a big house because I want to look good and I want status and I want wealth. That's when it goes bad. <laughs> right? Right. That's when it goes really bad. So, Jacob, he kind of concludes this this one particular sin. He, uh, because there's, there's more that these people are doing and, uh, but I don't think that they're separate. They're not exclusive. Mm -hmm. Pride was an issue. Mm -hmm. And I think the pride is what led them to a a grosser crime, which fair to say, I think we're going to get into that next week. Mm -hmm. Okay. I do want to offer a few concluding thoughts on 
Jacob's summation of the the pride issue mm. in among the Nephites at this time. Um, and I'm just going to use his words because he is such an eloquent speaker. In verse 20, And now, my brethren, I have spoken unto you concerning pride and those of you which have afflicted your neighbor and persecuted him because you were proud in your hearts and of the things which God hath given you. What say ye of it? What say ye of it? How are you going to explain your wealth to others? How are you going to explain your good fortune to others? Are you going to say, well, I, I uh, pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Oh, I, I went to college. I got an education. I worked for this. Or are you going to say that every step along the way, I was being lifted up by angels. I was being led by the Spirit beforehand, not knowing the things which I should do. I must obey in all things. Are you going to are you going to mm-hmm. be faithful? Yeah. Uh, until the end. So any good thing what say ye of it? That's that's what mm. my concluding thought is. Um and then you can figure out what you're going to do with it after that. Because, you know, we talked a little bit about it last time, but words are so important. I mean, goodness gracious, this is a podcast. Okay, all we're doing is speaking. <laughs> our listeners can only hear our voices. Right. Um, so, you know, when, when these things do happen, uh, when that, how does he say it, when... The, the hand of providence smiles upon us most mm-hmm. pleasingly. Um, how are we going to respond literally? How are we, with our speech, how are we going to respond? Yeah. So, yeah. What uh, What are your concluding thoughts, Shelby? I just want to go down one more verse. Um, of course. It says, Do you not suppose that such things are abominable unto him who created all flesh? And the one being is as precious in his sight as the other. And all flesh is of the dust. And for the selfsame end hath he created them, that they should keep his commandments and glorify him forever. Um, I think it's just important to remember that what say ye of it, like you can't, like God created you in the first place. So technically you can't be like, I did it all because like God is the one who made you in the first place right? and you made everybody exactly the same <laughs> and all flesh is of the dust. And so it's like you, you really didn't do anything like anything. Yes. You may have put hard work, but it was God who paved that path and, and gave you the strength to endure and things like that. So I think the next verse down just shows why you can't say, that you did it all yourself because you, in the beginning, you didn't even do it yourself. Right. God did it. So it's just a good perspective to have. So that's my concluding thought. <laughs> the flip side of that coin 
which I referenced in this verse was 2 Nephi 26, 33, for none of these iniquities come of the Lord. <laughs> for he doeth that which is good among the children of men, and he doeth nothing save it be plain unto the children of men. And he inviteth them all to come unto him and partake of his goodness. And he denieth none that come unto him. And he goes on to say black and white, bond and free, male and female, and so on and so forth. And because there, there are certainly going to be people who lack abundance. And that doesn't make them any different than you right. in the eyes of God. Right. I just had to throw that in there because I highlighted it. I linked it and I, I thought, well, in my preparation for this podcast, I put that in there for a reason. And so I wanted to share it. Um, well, I, thank you for sharing. Yeah. And I say all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I second that. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> anyway. So we're, we're ending a little bit past halfway through Jacob 2. Next week, we're going to finish the chapter, and I don't think there's any reason why we can't get through chapter three as mm -hmm. well. So that's the that's the agenda. agenda. Nice. <laughs> anyway. Well, y'all. Thanks for listening. We're just so unified Is that today. What you were gonna yes. Say? <laughs> yes. Love it. What did I, I, I called unified a, a weird word last night. I was like unitied. No, that's wrong. Do you remember? Uh, vaguely. It was really good. I should have wrote it down. Anyway, <laughs> that's all. Okay. Thank you for listening. All right, y'all. Have a great week, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.